0: This is a Burn FM podcast.
1: The Selly Sportscast from Redbrick and Burn
2: FM. Your go-to for West Midlands sport. Hello and welcome to the Silly Sportscast, your go-to place for the latest on sports at the University of Birmingham and the wider West Midlands area. This is a podcast from Rebrick Sports and Burn FM Sport and I'm Kit and today I'm joined by my fellow Rebrick Sport editor Lauren. Lauren, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing all right, I'm, I'm doing good. Got some hard, hard university work in earlier and now looking forward to recording this.
2: That's that's good to hear. That's certainly more than than I can say for today so far. <laughs>
0: it, do, it doesn't happen
2: regularly. A lot's happened, I think, since since we last recorded. We've gone into a second national lockdown in England. We've had an election. The coronavirus saga continues, but you've still managed to get some football last weekend.
0: Yeah, I definitely felt very, very lucky to be going. I was thinking about it a lot in the lead up but yeah I was lucky to go to Villa Park to watch Aston Villa women against their big rivals Birmingham City women it was the first second city derby ever in the women's super league they played before but only um, in cup competitions and things so this was the first one and was definitely definitely felt very lucky to be attending to get out of the house and go and do something and get to watch some football as well but it was I wouldn't say it was <laughs> the greatest derby game I've ever seen. It was definitely, both managers said afterwards that it's a very frustrating game. I think one even called it boring, so there's that, but the just being there and the experience was great. I think just being in such a big stadium in Villa Park for a derby game, you definitely feel the lack of fans more. And as press, we were quite far, we're quite yeah. high up, far away from the pitch, so. It doesn't even really feel like you're that connected to the people on the pitch either. So it was definitely a weird feeling, but a great experience to be there and get down to cover it and be part of like a little bit of WSL history, I guess. And Birmingham City came away with a 1-0 win. It was one of those games where both teams had a very frustrating time in front of goal and couldn't quite... Fashion, any really great chances and it was just decided by a little bit of quality in the end from Birmingham City.
2: Just from your experience, I want to know what it's like going to these football matches in a in a COVID world. Because I remember last season, back in those days when fans used to be able to go as well, I went to a few games at Molyneux in the press box with Rick, and. One of those games I went to was Wolves-Liverpool. And obviously that was absolutely packed. It was live on TV. It was a a game under the lights. And I just remember being in just a packed press room people from all over the world. And it just seems like a world away from anything that would happen now. Is it all really kind of regimented about where you are allowed and allowed not to go?
0: Yeah, it's very careful. I mean, Villa had like a very, very specific one-way system in place to make sure we got where we need to go. Didn't read my emails correctly, so I ended up walking <laughs> at least 10 minutes in the wrong direction before realizing there was no way I could get through that way and had to walk 20 minutes back to get to the actual entrance. But I'd say it's very like regimented and um, careful getting into your seats and getting into your stadium. And it's obviously weird not sitting tightly next to someone in the press box and having them a few seats apart. And especially in places like Villa Park, stuff like the monitors aren't allowed to be in use and things like that so you definitely notice it but i'd say once you sit down you're doing the same thing you always do you're you're doing your match updates or you're writing you're getting together your report when you're watching a game of football so you definitely notice it obviously you definitely notice the the lack of fans in the stadium but I think I definitely felt it more getting there and getting into the stadium and getting into my seat than, than when the game starts. That's more when the game starts, you much more notice the fans than kind of you yourself and what you're doing. But yeah, overall, I just feel lucky to still be able to go. You know, obviously I'm going there as press and I'm going to work and put out content, but above all, I'm still just a massive football fan. So yeah. to be able to go to any kind of games, whatever they are, In this kind of time, I feel just extremely lucky.
2: I haven't been myself yet this season to a game, but at Redbrick, we've sent rights to a couple of games down at Birmingham City, and we're just so grateful that they can find a place for us. But yeah, should we get into our guest for today, Lauren?
0: Yep, let's go ahead.
2: We've got Ella Franklin-Fratra of Aston Villa Women's. She is a graduate of the University of Birmingham. We had a nice chat with her about her time at university, the step-ups playing professionally, step up to playing in the Women's Super League. It's a, it's a really good interview and we, we really enjoyed doing it. Yeah, without further ado, let, let's get into the interview.
0: Hi Ella, thanks so much for speaking to us today. The first question I'd like to ask is about, obviously, the match on the weekend, the derby fixture against Birmingham. Obviously, it was the first Second City derby in the WSL. You played them for back in 2018 when you weren't with the club. But as Gemma said before the match, it was always gonna be, you know, a very different fixture to that. What was your assessment of the game and what it was like?
3: Yeah, it was I think we were really, really disappointed because we obviously lost one nil. We'd had such a good week leading into it. So we'd won our first women's super league match last weekend against Brighton. We won against Coventry, nine nil. And I think that like, everyone's morale was really, really high. And then it was just so deflating to lose one nil and it was just Obviously, with derbies, you kind of have an expectation that it's going to be a really high, intense kind of match. But I think actually it was was quite flat from both teams, really. So I'd say it probably didn't meet the expectations of a derby match. But yeah, overall, we're just really, really disappointed to lose. But we're not going to let the game define our season and hopefully we can still build on what we started at the beginning of the week.
0: Gemma Davies, the Villa manager, for anyone that doesn't know, Gemma kind of said post-match that for, I think, both teams at times, it was a very frustrating game. It was kind of a game where both teams at different points in the game had lots of possession and were keeping the ball really well, but it was just kind of in the final third, the decision-making. It didn't go the way, perhaps, you guys wanted it. Was it it a frustrating game on the pitch to play and be a part of as well?
3: Yeah, it was really frustrating. It was a really weird match to play because... I think neither team, like you say, was in the final third. Neither team could really break into the box and have any proper chances. So I think first half, we had the better of the ball possession. But again, we couldn't break through Birmingham. And they dip quite deep, but they make it difficult to kind of break through. They're very compact. And I think, to be fair to them, they did... They did a really good job at like covering those spaces that we like to play in and just made it really difficult and I think to be honest a nil-nil probably would have been a fair reflection of the game because neither team as I said had many chances but I feel like Birmingham they had that one chance that they needed and they just nicked the game and sometimes football goes like that like neither team really deserves to win but unfortunately they got the win but yeah Um, And
0: in the pre-match press conference, Gemma also said that she actually thought that you having that midweek game that Birmingham didn't have might work in your favour because of the nerves of the derby perhaps. It gives you a way to kind of split up the week and have a different focus throughout the week. Do you think that ended up being the case or do you think it was actually a bit of a downfall then being a bit
3: fresher? I don't know. We played quite a different team against Coventry. So a lot of the kind of starting 11 that played on Saturday actually had been rested midweek anyway. So... I don't really think it would have played too much into their hands. I think it was actually good for us just to get more goals and build that confidence. And honestly, we were so confident going into the fixture and it just didn't quite click on the day. So I don't think the country fixture really had too much of a kind of impact on the fixture on the weekend.
0: Yeah, and uh, finally on the game, because I don't want to dwell on it too much, obviously. <laughs> Despite the kind of result, what was it like being back at Villa Park and getting to play at Villa Park? And as someone in the crowd, I definitely perhaps felt the lack of a crowd more because it was a Derby game than in other games I've been
3: to, obviously, that have been behind closed doors. Did you guys feel that on the pitch as well? Obviously, it's amazing playing at Villa Park and it's really kind of good that that Villa have given us the opportunity to play there. But I must say, I really did feel it at the weekend. It just felt very quiet and you wanted the fans to sort of be there and give you that extra push and I must say, for the first time, I really felt it, and I think it's just because it's such a big stadium for such an exciting game. Honestly, it would have been so amazing to have fans there, and obviously it was Women's Football Weekend as well. So, with the men's international break, I think we would have got so many fans in the stadium, and it's just—it's yeah. a shame. But yeah, I must say, it was—it was the first time I really felt like it really needed fans just to kind of lift yeah. the games in certain periods. So yeah, definitely, no,
0: I felt literally exactly the same. When I was sat yeah. there, and I was just like, wow, this feels it so big like, and so empty. So
3: echoey like you could hear everything yeah. and yeah it just it wasn't yeah even off, wasn't even idea, after but... the
0: the blues goal like it just felt so empty like they were obviously yeah. delighted but yeah it was definitely from you know a audience perspective definitely for me as well the time I felt it the most so far this season yeah.
3: definitely definitely agree with you yeah
2: hopefully slightly happy times <laughs> Talk about your time at the University of Birmingham so you graduated with a degree in sports science and when you think back to your time at UOB just what are are some of the first things that come to mind either football related or elsewhere?
3: Honestly I literally had the best time at UOB like it brings back so many good memories. The memories I probably think of the most are just like from my first year just like sports nights, I literally, I was a different person back in first year. Honestly, I've turned into such an old brownie now, just because I'm obviously a professional footballer now, I can't, I can't do anything really. But yeah, in my first year, I was just a crazy 18 year old that literally went to the Guild every Wednesday, played obviously for the for the football ones. So just literally loved being part of that team. And then going into second and third year, I actually stopped playing for the ones after first year because I was trying to balance club football as well. And it became a bit difficult to do both. But just have memories of getting back from training. I played for Oxford in my second year and then Leicester in my third year. Getting back from training really late and then having to be on campus the next day, like really early. And just being like exhausted the whole time from just going to the gym, playing football. But yeah, all my memories are so fond of Yogi Like I have nothing bad to say about it. It was such a good experience.
2: You talked about balancing your club football and university life as well. I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit more about it. So I'm in I'm in Farnia at the moment and if if I have to venture out to as far as the library, it's I, I see it as a burden and taking up too much time in my day. So <laughs> you, you you had to you had to play for Leicester or Oxford in your first years, you had to commute between Birmingham and at, and you had to get a degree as well so it's pretty spectacular that you managed to balance it all.
3: Yeah so in, in second year I was playing for Oxford so I was travelling, it was only part time at, at that point but I was travelling back and forth between Oxford like three or four days a week and then yeah sports science in second year was was quite tough like there was a lot of content and a lot of stuff to get through so honestly it was just a lot of late nights and a lot of tired kind of eyes I was just traveling all the time and I was in the car and I was just like stopping off at place to get food and it was just all a bit of a mad time um but yeah, I, to be honest, I wouldn't change it. I'd like to keep myself busy, so it was, it was fine. But yeah, it was pretty intense at times to try and balance it.
2: What you said reminded me of an interview I did last summer with a couple of cricketers who play for Warwickshire and are also students at UIB. And I remember one of them saying that they really valued what university was giving them because they're obviously playing sport in this really high-pressure environment, which you're familiar with yourself but then mm-hmm. I had a chance to kind of like come back to university and get a little mm-hmm. bit of that student life, have a bit more mm-hmm. kind of time away from the pressure, as I say. So is that something you can relate to a little?
3: Yeah, 100%. I would, yeah, I'd literally have training one night and it was, particularly when I joined Leicester, it became a bit more intense. But yeah, I'd have training and it was obviously an intense environment. And then you'd get to like a Wednesday. And at that point, I obviously wasn't able to drink as much because I couldn't afford to be like hung over on a Thursday. But yeah I'd just turn off on a sports night and then people would just be like dressing up in random outfits It was just like a completely different world I appreciate it so much because you don't want to be in that intense environment all the time like you do need to have something else to go back to so it was nice to have the uni friends and uni environment and then teammates as well away from that separated because it was quite intense just just for football
2: one more question from me on your time at UIB so you said you didn't play in second and third year for the university you did play in first year and that was under Gemma Davis would you remember about playing on tour at union how's your relationship with her developed since
3: yeah I mean I literally turned up as like a little fresher and met Gem and she was literally so lovely she was at that point she was really trying to kind of drive the the women's football at the uni and she was determined to try and win bucks or win the cup or something so yeah I turned up honestly she's she's an amazing coach like she was at that point the best coach that I had worked under just the details that she'd go into even at uni level she would just the details that we go into on each team and everything was so kind of high so yeah basically my first impressions were, were really really good and then obviously I had to stop after first year and I didn't really end up seeing her that much really after that first year because I was so busy with everything And then just like reconnected with her at Villa and she contacted me and said, did I want to sign? And I literally didn't even think twice because she's such a brilliant coach and I knew that I was going to be able to develop under her. So, yeah, it's really, really good to be working with her again. She's taken Villa on leaps and bounds since she's come in.
0: One more question actually from me, kind of on the topic of uni. In terms of kind of education, obviously we see in the men's game the level that they get to you know the pathway that they have means that university and next steps are something that's not obviously something in the front of their mind you can see that after their career they're probably not going to need to think about a second job whereas in the women's game that's not the case you can't just afford to stop working after you retire so university and having that education pathway is obviously a lot more important and how were UOB with supporting you with getting your education while playing football like that?
3: So in my first year I was on the It wasn't the full scholar program, but it was the one underneath. I don't know what it's called by. Yeah, I I got like a bit of support because at that point I was obviously playing kind of semi-pro, so it wasn't deemed as being in the highest bracket of kind of support. But yeah, so they were great in first year. I had like nutrition workshops and things that I could go to and psychology workshops and they helped a bit financially as well. And that was obviously really, really great. But then when I went into second year, because I was no longer playing for the uni team, the support stops because obviously in order for them to support you you obviously need to play for like one of the uni teams so unfortunately that stopped but to be honest it was fine anyway and like lecturers and stuff were really supportive like there was a couple of times when I had to hand in things a bit late and they they were pretty flexible with it and like my personal tutor was really good as well so yeah overall they were great um particularly in that first year
0: moving on to Villa a bit more now so obviously you joined for the 2019-2020 season and Basically, not to sugarcoat it, but you basically ran rampant last season. It was pretty convincing. Obviously, the season didn't end the way it was meant to, but it was a very, very convincing, you know, lead at the top. And there was definitely, regardless of coronavirus, no no catching you guys. What was it like to play in that team and be part of that team? Obviously, you were injured for a fair bit of the season, but what was it like to be part of that team last season?
3: Yeah, it was it was honestly amazing. As soon as I arrived at Villa, I think they were suddenly really supporting the women's team and we were having access to like everything at Bodymore Heath, the men's training ground and you know you could really tell that it was going in the right kind of steps forward and it was very very professional and I had a really good feeling about the season and then they recruited really well as well brought in a couple of like women's super league players as well so we had a really strong squad and I think we just had such a resilience last year that we were never going to be beaten like in a couple of games it was very very close and you know, we needed a goal and we always just managed to find that extra gear and kind of get the goal that, that we needed to get the win. So it was amazing. And it just felt it kind of felt like we were relentless last year. Like we just weren't going to kind of back down and let anybody else win the league. I was so glad when when the FA did, did say that we were going to get promoted because at that point we were six points clear. So... I think we were in a a very strong position. So, yeah, it was was amazing. Definitely the best team that I've been a part of um, so far.
0: The first game I covered of you guys was actually the, I think it was the fifth round in the FA Cup against Brighton and you narrowly lost that game. But I think that, and I remember speaking to Gemma afterwards and I think the main takeaway was just that it showed that if and when you did get promoted, you could compete with those teams that are kind of cemented in the Women's Super League. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, if you did get promoted, it was going to, yeah, you were going to be able to compete with them and that you were at that level and ready to compete as well. Did you yeah. feel like that nearing the end of the season, like you were ready to compete with those top teams?
3: Definitely. I'd even say earlier on, like as early on as pre-season that, that year, we were playing a lot of Super League sides in pre-season we beat Everton 2-1 we beat West Ham 2-0 there was already a sense that we could definitely compete and everybody was just in it together and there was a really really good team morale and you could just tell that we we weren't far off and then I think we beat Liverpool in the cup early on in the season 2-0 and then obviously narrowly lost to Brighton so there was definitely a sense that we weren't far off those teams kind of Mid, mid-range teams in the women's super league
0: and moving on to this season Gemma spoke a lot in her post-match press conference on the weekend about the jump between the championship and the women's super league and just how not not that she didn't expect it but just how big it is and how vast it is and how it has taken you a bit of time to adapt to that not just moving from one league to another but also in the process moving from part-time to full-time how's mm-hmm. that been for you personally
3: Yeah, it it has been a big jump to be fair. I mean, last year we we, we were in a bit of a weird place because we were sort of between part-time and full-time. So we had like afternoon sessions as well. So it kind of allowed us to slowly ease into this year. Like it wasn't just a kind of a sudden jump, but yeah, it has been a big step up. And I think the biggest thing is I think, we can compete with a lot of teams, but it's actually getting the win that's the kind of difference, actually managing to score goals in order to win a game. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned. I think a lot of teams could compete there, but actually are they going to pick up points in the league? It's a completely different, a different kettle of fish. But I think regardless of the obviously the disappointing result on the weekend, I think we are slowly slowly kind of getting to grips with it and we've become a lot more defensively like sound but yeah there's still a lot of work to do and I, I hope and pray that we can get there soon and start picking up a few more points
0: Gemma and the team recruited a lot of new players in the summer how's it been kind of like gelling with them it's uh, well there's a lot of you know players that have stayed from last year and there's quite a, new, a few new players in the starting lineup in the regular starting lineup what's it like been kind of mixing with them and finding your feet as a team
3: It's been really great. Like they're all so lovely, and like they've really quickly like gelled with the team. And they're all such. I think the thing about Gem is she, she doesn't just go for the player. She goes for the person as well. So she's like, soon short. The person she's bringing in is the right type of personality. So we. We're a team. We don't have any egos in the team. I'd like to say we're probably a very, very nice team, maybe a bit too nice. Like we don't have anyone that's cocky or anything like that. But they've all gelled really, really well. I think Jem has a very particular style of play and and it kind of takes a while to embed. And it has taken a while to embed that into the new players so that everybody's on the same page. But I think slowly we're getting there. And I think, you know, just the more we train and the more we play together, hopefully it will start to click particularly I think we've sort of sorted the defensive side of things obviously we did concede but I think now going forward we just need to work on kind of trying to get get some more goals in the back of the net and stuff like that. But hopefully we'll get there.
0: Definitely. And yeah, it was obviously a tough first few games, but did that make the Brighton game kind of even more sweeter when you got that win? And it was a convincing win. It wasn't kind of a really, really narrow win and a great team performance as well. I've got to admit, I only caught about half of it because I'm an Arsenal fan and I was sadly (laughs) watching Arsenal lose to Man United
3: at the same time.
0: I should have picked the Villa game. My mistake. But yeah, how was that? How special was it to get that first league win under your belt?
3: Yeah, it was honestly amazing. It was was great because obviously we won, but it was also a relief to finally put points on the board. And not saying we moved up the table dramatically, but just to kind of lift us off the bottom spot was just nice. Especially as other teams around us haven't been picking up points. I think what was most pleasing was that it, like you say, it was just the way we won, like it was just a very, very dominant performance, and it kind of reminded me a bit of last year. it was a real team performance, like I'd say everybody played well, there wasn't necessarily like one standout, it was just a real, real good team performance, and yeah, it was a really sweet win. We were just all so, so happy to to finally win and I think I think if we can play like that, you know more often, then definitely we'll get some more points
0: and Brighton have proved a very competitive team. This year, obviously, holding Man United, they yeah. got a great win at the weekend. So it wasn't like you could kind of, you know, losing to you losing to the, the bottom place team, the kind of t- like a a team you'd expect to win against. It was definitely, you know, a big win against yeah, a good side. Yeah,
3: definitely. Brighton, are, they've obviously established themselves quite a solid team in the league, and I think this year, especially, people were quite surprised the way they started. And I think they probably went into the game thinking this is pretty much a a win for us like I, I think they probably underestim- underestimated us slightly but it wasn't just against yeah bottom of the league they were a really good side and you know it just goes to show the fact they won against West Ham how kind of close every single game is like obviously below the below the top four I think anyone can really beat anyone and it's a good thing but it's also a bad thing because it There's no game that you can say, oh yeah, we're going to pick up points there. It's just like every game is is going to be close. I was I was actually
0: going to ask about that. Like I feel like in the Women's Super League, stuff like that happens all the time. But even more so this season, it just seems so competitive. At the top, at the bottom, in the middle, we've seen with Man United, obviously now they're doing amazing and they're really they've really cemented themselves in with the top three now as well. And Everton (laughs) invested loads and are doing great. And then at the bottom, I mean, personally, I'd say I didn't expect to see to see Spurs down there, especially you know after signing Alex Morgan, but they're struggling a bit West Ham are struggling for points as well it's competitive all over does that kind of put that belief in the team's mind that every game is definitely a possible win and you can get points out of any game
3: yeah definitely and I think maybe going into the season we would have said there's two teams that we can 100% win against but I think that's now out the window I guess it's a good thing because it means that there are more opportunities for us to get points I think all the games have just proved that so far Maybe the likes of West Ham and Tottenham, like you say. Those teams, I probably would have expected them to be slightly higher up the table. But actually, they're in and around us, which is a good thing. I think we're definitely capable if we play well of possibly getting a win or even a point.
2: Villa obviously had to miss a couple of games because of coronavirus cases in your squad. And when you look at the table, that means you've obviously played two less games than most of the other teams. Are you kind of looking at the table and saying we've got games in hand, we just need to kind of keep in touch with the teams around us and above us and when those games come, we've got a great chance to make up ground.
3: I think it's always nice to know that you have games in hand and I think the fact that, I mean obviously we're not far off bottom, but we're not currently bottom of the table, we've still got two games in hand, so I think definitely it gives us kind of confidence. I think the two games that we had to cancel were, I think it was Blues and Bristol, so we've now got that Bristol game. So all eyes on that Bristol game now, that's a really, really important game for us. But yeah, definitely. I think the fact we're not bottom is a good thing.
2: And, and that's the aim, just to kind of consolidate your status in the Super League, both in a sense and for you personally.
3: Yeah, definitely. That That's the kind of main goal this season is to stay in the league because I think even in, that in itself is is a difficult task. And then once we do that, we can then really start to push on in the league. To be fair, we haven't really spoken too much everything was so quick with coronavirus at the end of last season and they had to organize everything so quickly that we kind of just got thrown into pre-season and and we tried to play against all the big teams and we didn't really talk too much about our aims in terms of you know it hasn't been the coaches haven't said you know we need to stay up we need to stay up I think we've really been focusing on our style of play and I think that's the way Jen works she wants to build her style of play she doesn't just talk about results she likes to talk about the way we play and, and if we get that right first and hopefully the results come so I'm sure as we get close to the end of the season she'll start to talk about results a bit more but right now we're kind of still building and and we're just hoping at some point that everything clicks together and we can start getting results.
0: Certainly feels like it's definitely on the way I think obviously despite the the result on the weekend those run of three Sheffield United, Brighton and Coventry obviously it certainly feels like you're on the way but big december i'd say i don't know if you'd agree obviously united next after after the conti cup in the week but then after that bristol spurs and west ham obviously three fixtures that i i would say you could definitely get something from are you looking at that or are you just focusing on durham in midweek at the moment
3: at the moment we are just focusing on durham and then we've got i think it's an international break but two weekends off so we have got a couple of players obviously going away with their national team. So again like we had a couple of weeks ago with that long break due to covid, we'll, we'll consolidate and I think that's when we'll focus on that really really important run of fixtures. Obviously the Man United game we'll we'll um we'll try our best and we'll see what we can we can do there try and play well and then you know they're they're doing so well this year but certainly with the other three games I'm sure we'll be you know looking to get as many points as we can from those three fixtures.
0: Just to wrap it up for a final question, on the topic of the internationals, obviously the league has had a massive influx of some amazing internationals this year, obviously. Yeah. From the NWSL, NWSL, from Australia, we've had so many. What is it, what has it been like playing against those kind of people? And are you looking forward to coming up, even though it will be difficult, coming up against Kristen Press and to- Tobin Heath on the 5th?
3: Obviously it's amazing. Like, it's amazing for the league. And I think it shows you know, how kind of highly regarded the Women's Super League is around the world, which is obviously brilliant for like women's football in this country and it's only going to improve. But I must say, like, it is quite daunting. I'm not going to lie. I've gone from playing, yeah, in the championship where it's just a completely different world. And then Man United, I'm going to be up against Tobin Heath, probably on the left-hand side. So yeah, I must say, like, it, it is daunting, but all you can do is do your best. I just try and remind myself that yes yeah, she's obviously one of the best players in the world and if I can come away from that game and say actually that wasn't too bad then that's a sign of you know how much myself and everyone around has kind of improved so I think you just have to look at it like a bit of a learning experience and just try your best and and you know if you do well then that's really really amazing so yeah I try not to get too intimidated by it because it can be quite at the time so.
0: Amazing. Um, Thank you so much for speaking with us, Ella, and good luck on Thursday against Durham.
3: Thank you so much. No worries at all.
0: So that was our interview with Ella, Aston Villa women's footballer and ex-UAB student. Kit, how do you think that went?
2: Really well, I thought. She's... just like us she was very different in first year and she likes a sports night so good to see that we've all got some things in common.
0: Perfect so now we have Harry with us who is one of our Red Brick Sport writers this year so Harry do you want to introduce yourself tell us a little bit about you and what course you do here at UAB. Hi
1: guys I'm Harry so I'm a uh, third year sport and exercise science student currently sitting in chemical engineering just trying to Get all my work out of the way. Yeah, great to be here.
0: Perfect. And what are the sports you kind of love?
1: Definitely football. Followed football throughout my whole life. Big Birmingham City fan, unfortunately. Keep very keen on rugby and cricket as well.
0: I think that was my exact answer, minus the big Birmingham City fan bit. <laughs> so that's great. And what would you say kind of across your whole life, I guess, is your favourite or one of your favourite sporting memories?
1: Got to be over for Me Martins scoring the 89th minute the League Cup final against Arsenal to win Birmingham City their first trophy since the 1960s, I think it was.
0: I think that was my first football heartbreak. So, (laughs) as an Arsenal fan, I remember that sitting in my dad's best mate's living room watching it thinking okay this is a definite cup win it would have been like probably the first like trophy i would have remembered because i was a bit too young i was i was around but i was a bit too young in the invincibles era and my dad was like we're winning it there's no way we're not we're not winning this and then a shocking game for us and heartbreak i think literally
1: every single person including birmingham fans thought arsenal would beat us at least three nil or whatever that was in the period when as Lauren was saying, that
2: Arsenal just had that, that trophy trout and it was hilarious to to root against Arsenal when they couldn't win once. <laughs> F- FA Cup 2014 was a sad day. <laughs> yeah.
3: so- we couldn't even
0: do it the easy way. You would have thought we got we get that second chance, another fairly easy team to beat and it took us a, a, a while, remember? let's say. It took us a very long while but we got there in the end.
2: Yeah, so Harry, you mentioned big Birmingham City fan. You've been to one game I believe for us this year which is great of Birmingham to find space for us in the press box and you've written a good few articles for us about Birmingham as well how would you say the season's going so far?
1: I think there's definitely been improvements from last season not hard because last season was horrific but since then Eitel Karanka's come in who has promotion experience with Middlesbrough previously so I think that kind of lifted the mood in the club a bit. That was a bit of a coup getting him in. But overall so far the season, it's been pretty inconsistent, I'd say. Three wins from 11 games. You can see what he's trying to do. He's definitely tightened up the defence, but there's still not a lot to shout about going forward. A few weeks ago, we had two, two good wins in a week against Huddersfield, which was the game I covered for Red Brick and then Preston afterwards. The week after that, we went and lost at home to Wickham, who are rooted to the bottom of the table. So that pretty much sums it up at the moment.
2: Yeah, and I was looking at the championship table, and in classic championship style, I believe you're six points off the playoffs and six points off the relegation places, which just sums up the championship. Just a massive mess. Ten good games in the, in the top two, ten bad games, you could be bottom. So is that something you feel this season? You said it hasn't been great, that it still could kick could off away.
1: I mean, I think it always takes approximately about like half the season for it to kind of level itself out and to really realise who who the good teams will be. I think there's like Reading had seasons where they were like loitering around mid-table for the majority of the season and then towards the end have just gone on Brilliant runs and ended up in the playoffs. The same happened with Baston Villa a couple of seasons ago. They were mid-table around Christmas time and then ended up getting promoted. So anything can happen in this league.
0: I'm a follower, not not avid watcher, but I'm a follower of Swansea City because it's my it's my grandpa's team and basically the whole of my dad's side of the family's team. And I probably don't watch it and the championship in much detail as so I probably should, but I, I follow Swansea's results and follow what's happening with Swansea and always, not not just this season, but every week, I come on, they can go from like I think they went from second to like seventh or eighth last week and it, it's just up and down the whole time. And as someone that's not actually watching the games, it's a bit weird to see them literally bounce around the table or any team bounce around the table like that so easily. But it's definitely an exciting league.
1: No, it is, yeah. Any, anyone can be anyone. I've noticed in quite a few of your
2: articles, you don't seem best pleased with what's, what's gone on behind the scenes at Birmingham in ownership in, in Oh, yeah. Time. So you want to give us a bit of an insight into how that's going?
1: To be honest, I think throughout the whole of the club's history, the ownership has just always been pretty much a shambles. There was a period between, I think it was the early noughties up until like 2010, where we had David Gold, um, David Sullivan, who are at West Ham now. They've kind of steadied the ship. That was our most successful years. And then sold them to Carson Young in Hong Kong, who got prisoned for money laundering. And then we had another takeover. Got deducted nine points for breaching financial fair play All, always stuff going on behind the scenes like nice people, people who are like well respected getting sacked because they're falling out with the owner. the list goes on really it's just yeah, a bit of a circus.
2: Is that something that you fear going forward this poor ownership we've talked about the potential to get it at the top of the championship do you fear it could eat you dropping down the divisions any further?
1: Yeah, I definitely think it could. I think that's why the owners are so keen to get promotion, because I think at the moment we're in about £80 million pounds worth of debt to the holding company, so I mean, they are relying on promotion for that influx of money, really. If they continue to loiter around mid-table and flirt with relegation, then it's not looking good, really.
2: A lot of clubs have that kind of attitude of just going all out for promotion, and if it isn't worked, you fall into financial trouble, which is something that the FA seem really keen to change of all the reforms they get talked about. But we're going to move on. We're going to move to the other footballing half of Birmingham. We're going to talk a little Jack Grealish because we're recording this the day after England's 2-0 loss in Belgium. But... Jack Grealish was one of if not England's best players last night and of course with every game that Jack Grealish plays or doesn't play in an England shirt there's a referendum on whether he should be playing whether he's our best player whether Aston Villa fans are right all this time and I don't know if you can tell but I think it's a little bit ridiculous but do either you guys have any any strong feelings on either Jack Grealish or all the fiasco
1: that surrounds him? As much as I hate to say it I, I do think he's got a start really he he offers something completely different that we don't already have with his like his flair and creativity, especially down the middle. We've got that on the wings with Sterling, Sancho, Rashford, but down the middle I was I've always thought recently there's that lack of flair and creativity, as I said. So I think for me, he gets picked.
0: Yeah, same with me. I mean, I'm I can't say I'm Gauss Southgate's biggest fan anyway but but that that midfield trio of what is it like Henderson Rice and and, and Winks or Dyer I just don't get it when you have someone like Jack Grealish you kind of break the lines and link up so well with the forward line of oh, this great forward line we do have how does he not get picked and obviously it was great to see him getting picked last night and despite the tough loss he proved why he should be there he's only in my eyes going to continue that form with Villa this new partnership with Ross Barkley as well is looking like it's just gonna continue to grow and grow this season and for me it's got to be there
2: i would agree especially after last night he was excellent he, he was england's best player in my opinion so i should say that i'm just more annoyed that every single time he plays we have to open up this debate about is he as great as is because he's he's become one of those players which he's so adored by his his club i remember it was the same when dimitri park was at west ham and played for france Villa fans adore Jack Grealish so much that he can do no wrong in their eyes. And at any time, he's not playing every single minute for England. Southgate's the worst center in the world. But he definitely should start for me. And if we're gonna make a run at Euros, we're gonna need a more creative midfield than the Darwinks Henderson trio that started some games.
0: I agree. This conversation, this debate that goes on is tiring and this new weird comparison. To Mason Mount, this weird like it's Jack Grealish versus Mason Mount is just one that I just think is completely counterproductive. I don't think it helps either of them. I don't think it helps England. I also, not in all games, but in some games, I don't understand why it has to be either or. I think both are strong players that offer something to England and attack. My preference, if it had to be an either or, would be Grealish, but Mount also offers something a lot better than that horrible trio we keep mentioning, that defensive trio. And yeah, it just creates this weird rivalry that does doesn't need to exist and is only counterproductive for England, in my opinion.
1: Especially Southgate's always been quite keen on picking players who've been on good form in the league and looking at Jack this season, he's probably up there one of the best players so far so it's hard to look past him really
0: exactly it does kind of feel like for some people opposition fans his kind of past and his past behavior is gonna continue to hang over him for at least this part of his career hopefully not longer but it does feel that way I mean we obviously know he maybe didn't have the best attitude in the past but I think actually the fact that he did grow up and start taking things seriously is something to commend rather than to continue focusing on in like a bad light he took a while and maybe he wasn't that mature before but now he is and he loves Aston Villa and he'll give everything for the club and as he showed with his post-match comments last night he's very very committed to being the best player he can be for England and it was a dream for him.
2: I think we'll leave it there for this episode of the Selly Sportscast. Thank you to Harry for coming on. Thanks again for Ella and we'll catch you next time.